Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm coming at you live from the uh, Real Estate Investing Mastery Studios in my office in St. Louis, Missouri. Nice. Yeah. How's that? Professional cool. with my golden mic. <laughs> you got, did you get a new mic? No, it's a headset. Oh. I got this cheap $20 headset from Sweet. Walmart or Target or something like that. But uh, anyway, it sounds good. Rush Limbaugh does it. I don't even listen. I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh all the time, Alex. And uh, no more, no more. I just he's just kind of got on my nerves. Mm. <laughs> all of, you know, hearing people complain all the time. That's why I love this show. That's why I love podcasting. Is because we can talk about real estate. You know, we can talk about whatever we want. We don't have to talk about politics and the um, world falling apart. And the yeah, and and it used to be when I drove a lot, I would listen to talk radio. But now you can actually listen. To two, I actually listen to our podcasts when I'm driving. Do you really? <laughs> I'm just, I'm no, you don't. <laughs> Have you ever listened to one of our podcasts? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Uh huh. Well, okay, good. So, uh, how are you, Alex? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to uh, have you back uh, from the outer skirts of the world. Yeah, it's crazy. We've been back a week and a half now, kind of adjusting. I think we finally got onto the normal sleep schedule. Oh man, that's got to be something. <laughs> it was it was harder adjusting to the time zone change going to Europe than it was coming back. But you know, for the first few days, almost a week, our kids would get up at like four in the morning. <laughs> oh my goodness! Five in the morning. Then it came six. You know, that's kind of more better. But yeah, we're we're glad to be back. We really missed our church. We go to a church in St. Louis called St. Louis Family Church. Yeah, and we have a lot of good friends there. Um, a lot of opportunity to volunteer and serve, and so we we're glad to be back and um, got back in time to see the no car- place like home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so but uh, we got back in time to see the Cardinals uh, in the playoffs. So I'm excited. Oh, about, okay. About All seeing, right. Seeing a Cardinals game this year. Now, here I'll share something uh, non-real estate related. You you shared a, a baseball thing there. I'm actually a Mets fan. So. Oh, good for you. They're in the playoffs this year, right? They are. Believe it or not. <laughs> I did not know you were even a baseball fan. Well, you know, I grew up uh, on Long Island in New York, and that was uh, that was my team. How about that? So this yeah. is a. Well, we're not we're not a baseball podcast. We're not a baseball no, podcast. I better stop. Better change the subject. Um, so, guys, at realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can get our fast cash survival kit and transcriptions of the show, show notes, free cool stuff. Leave us a review in iTunes. I haven't looked at our reviews in iTunes in a while. Ah, we need to do that. I'll, I'll pull pull it up here as we uh, introduce our guest. Um, but real quick, Alex, you got any deals you're working on right now? Oh yeah, um, there was actually a deal that uh, I well actually I might have shared this on one of the previous podcasts where uh, the seller uh, called me and I thought he was just trying to call me to uh, get me in a bidding war and jack up the price on me and all that stuff and shame on me for not calling him back but I finally did 
And he's like, well, we had an offer for slightly higher than yours, but we want to go with you because we feel um, that uh, you're going to be able to get the job done on this um, for sure. So I'm like, okay, great. So I put the property under contract for 105. I uh, basically ripped out the carpets off the hardwood floors. I had somebody go in and do a light trash out because there really wasn't a lot in there. Um, Listed the property for 199. And we got an offer yesterday for one ninety. Wow! So yeah. how much did you get it for again? One oh five. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you got to pay attention, Joe. This we're talking money. <laughs> good for you, man. So it'll be a good deal. Good for you. Are you still doing a lot of marketing? Are you slowing things down oh, yeah. a little bit? Yeah, you got to keep the marketing trend going. So. Uh, we're going to be online interview- with one eight hundred fair offer and offline with postcards and using the one eight hundred fair offer brand. Yeah, man, definitely. You know, I was talking to some guys wholesalers in St. Louis the other day about bandit signs. Aha! Uh-huh. And you know what, bandit signs? These guys are still getting deals from bandit signs. And how yep. cool would it be if? You how could- bad is it over there though with bandit signs where they'll come in and uh, <laughs> make your life miserable well, for this, you? This one guy was talking about how he's been summoned before the county court a couple times and he oh just, boy he just pays his fine and goes on business as usual um but you know there's some cities where he he just will not do signs in because they've put the fear of god in him oh yeah you got to be careful yeah there was a guy locally here who i heard actually got arrested for his bandit signs because he was very uh, elusive with his numbers and nobody could find out who he was except the only mistake he made was he put the same exact number on his bandit sign on his car. Oh. <laughs> and they found him that way. Well, you know what I was going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, wouldn't it be cool if you could have 800 fair offer and put that on your bandit signs? Well, I think that's quite easily found if uh, you're... Yes. If your county doesn't look too keenly on bandit signs, um, I, I'd be getting all kinds of calls because all the calls filter eventually, um, you know, through our system. So, yeah, um, I would be getting calls from all kinds of municipalities if uh, if that was going on. So, well, and then you'd have to, you'd they'd probably subpoena you, and you'd have. Oh to- yeah, who wants to do that? <laughs> Well, anyway, so there's some underground investors who are breaking the law, doing bandit signs and making a lot of money. So well, you just gotta, you know, I think is you it gotta, worth it? I think you got to keep the law. Uh, that's what I would recommend on this podcast right here or right now. Yes, and okay, we're not attorneys. We don't give legal advice. But um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm not doing bandit signs. I don't know if I have the cojones to do that, but <laughs> you know... Some guys are into that and do it, and God bless them. So um, there you go. Yeah, leave it at that. So uh, I did. I, we have one review. Um, I'm going to read it here. It's from Flow Sweet. Girl. Flow Girl seven seven seven. Real Estate Mastery five stars. This is an excellent podcast that gives detailed education information that can be used in an easy to understand way. I highly recommend it, and I look forward to these podcasts. Thank you for the chance to hear from you guys. So. Appreciate that, FlowGirl777. If you like this show, guys, please leave us a review. And uh, leave us a review 
before you listen to this podcast, because after our guest, John Jackson, you probably will not want to leave us in your reviews. I'm I'm just kidding, because I always give our friend John Jackson a hard time. He deserves it. He deserves it. I do. I do. Um, John Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, is a good friend of mine, and I will stand by him as my friend even though he gets himself in trouble sometimes with his <laughs> really stupid sexist jokes. Oh, we got to watch Here that. We go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just preface our interview with don't take him seriously. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just, that's, a, that's not nice. Uh, John is a good friend and one of my early mentors. He got me started in this business. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, it was in 2008. I was, uh, 2009, well, October yes. 2009. Well, I quit my job in the summer, spring or summer of 2009. Yep. And uh, I contacted John, was one of the first guys I contacted because this was a guy who was doing what I wanted to do full time from his house in Dallas, Texas, DFW area. And uh, so I contacted him. I said, hey, listen, um, I know you do these workshops once in a while, uh, but I can't go on your next dates can I just pay you some money and hang out with you for a day or two and, you're, and, and just hang out with you? And he said, yeah. And uh, so I hung out with John, and I was so impressed with how he ran his business for a couple reasons. Number one, he was always setting up his buyers and his sellers in win-win situations. Um, very ethical, above board. You know, if the, if the deal is not a win-win for everybody involved, you just don't do it. And number two, he kept everything really simple and professional. And you didn't, you know, you're not, you don't have to do these slimy sales tactics or, or play these, you know, weird, dirty manipulation games to do deals. You can do deals just by being completely honest and, and making offers, making lots of offers. Who knew? Yeah, go figure. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, I was, I was really impressed by John and we've been friends ever since. Um, and I, I've taken a lot of, we, you know, I, I quit my job, and many of you know this, by flipping lease options. So it was 2008, 2009. I was a lurker on the um, – there was a forum, Alex, called The Naked Investor. Yes. And it's still around. Um, I, I think, John, are you on there much anymore yourself? I haven't been there in forever, Joe, but I believe Michael <clears throat> still runs it. I don't think it's – Quarles? No. Yeah, Michael. No, no, no. Uh, Michael Carbonaire. He's down oh, in Florida. Carbonaire, down yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, not St. Pete, but he's down in the Florida area. Yeah. I've never met um, Michael. Uh, he's what? A, I've never met him. I didn't know that. He's a nice guy, good guy. Um, I think I really made him mad one time over something. I forget what. But uh, <laughs> here's the thing. I I don't mean to say anything bad about that. But you guys should check out the the forum. You should check out the Naked Investor dot com. If you're interested in lease purchasing, because um, that's a, one of the websites you can go to to get more information about flipping lease options. And he calls it cooperative assignments, I think. Is that right, John? Yeah, they call it cooperative assignments or CAs on that forum. Again, I haven't been there forever and ever. But Michael's the one that kind of helped get me get me going as right. well yep. uh, years and years and years ago. Back in 2002, I think, is when I started kind of – uh, trolling his uh, form is much more active than now. Obviously, the big boy is uh, bigger pockets, <clears throat> but um, yeah, yeah. Go to Naked Investor. Uh, Michael still mentors, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, last I talked to, or last we communicated, 
it's been a while. <clears throat> I think he was looking to move. He was considering moving overseas, like uh, to Italy or something. I think. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I so love I Italy. Know, I don't know what's going on there. So. I love Italy. In fact, um, I think I've said this before. If 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 they serve dinners in heaven, they will be catered by Italians. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. We loved it. I am part Italian, Joe. I didn't know if you knew. I didn't know. Either. I didn't know Italians went to heaven. Oh, oh. Wow. Uh, 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 There's the first one. <laughs> it's a fastball on the inside. <laughs> oh, here we go. So, um, if you have any complaints about this show, just John's email address is John at least. Yeah, there we go. Um, so. Cool. Now, that's kind of my introduction into lease options world. I was on Naked Investor, um, made sure that my uh, <laughs> my I was in incognito mode in my browsers. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean by that, because I was on, I always felt like petrified that I was on Naked Investor and something was going, somebody was going to find out that I was on this bad website. <laughs> but <laughs> do you know what that? Do you, I mean, I know we've got what do we have like a three hour podcast here? Is that right? No, we just like long introductions, okay. John. Well, do you know how Naked Investor, how we got that name? It has to do with like naked options or something, doesn't it? Which no. Which is a financial has, term. Actually, it doesn't, which a naked option is a financial term. It's when, you, it's when you're selling an option you don't own. But anyway, <clears throat> the way he got the name Naked Investor is he was trying to figure out how to teach people lease options. And he was watching some cooking show called that's, The Naked Chef. That's right. I remember. Oh, wow. And it's where you just you just have the basic stuff and you've got to create something. It's something like that. But the chef it's, the chef isn't naked. Everybody needs to know that. Oh yeah, no, it's it's you're fully clothed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, so, and and that's right. I remember him hearing I hearing hearing him say that. Um and it's uh, the cooking show is about how to do cooking with like the most bare ingredients, right? I think so. Yeah. And so and he said, you know what? I'm going to name this the Naked Investor. <laughs> so and that's how it came about. So I was doing deals. I was doing a lot of regular wholesaling, and I, I asked myself the question, why can't I wholesale lease options? And so I started flipping lease options, and I kind of took my own twist on things. Um, I was doing them differently than almost anybody else was at the time. And uh, so I started teaching the stuff. I started um, working with Wendy Patton and uh, did really well. And I, for about th four or five years, well, I'd say th four years, I was, that's pretty much all I was doing is just flipping lease options. And the last couple of years, I've been doing more traditional, regular wholesaling. Um, but it's been my bread and butter. I love lease options, believe it or not. I know uh, some of you guys that are seasoned investors have been in this business for a long time. Uh, look down on your noses at lease options, and I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, it's they're they're great ways to tie up properties and do deals and make a lot of money in the process. Um, so that was a long introduction, I think. But uh, John, how are you, man? <clears throat> Joe, I am doing fantastic. Uh, Alex, uh, good to have you on the line here as well. By the way, are we not doing video? Because I got my camera set up. I even brushed my teeth. No, that's that's why we're not doing video, John. Okay. <laughs> the reason why we're not doing video is because you're on the show. Yes. <laughs> um, we, man, we, I'm doing fantastic. Let me ask you this, guys, real quickly. I should have done this before the show. Is my audio okay? Because I can turn it down or up. Does it sound good? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, because I've got a whole I've got a whole mic set up and soundboard, and I just want to make sure I got the uh, levels right. Anyway, Joe, I am doing fantastic. I am pumped. 
about this podcast, and the reason is uh, just the timing of it. Uh-huh. Uh, you and I talked briefly before the call, but I'm so stoked about it because um, – uh, the last two years I've been traveling like nobody's yeah. business and um, got back two weeks ago off the road and realized I only had like two properties in the pipeline. Now, let's talk about what you were doing on the road. Yeah. What, what were you doing on the road? Uh, well, uh, almost two years ago now, uh, Ron Legrand mm-hmm. found out who I was because he was telling everybody you can't do lease options in Texas. Mm-hmm. Ah. And he found out who I was and um, – it was kind of the whole conversation was kind of funny. John, this is Ron Legrand. I understand you're the guy in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around in my office, going, uh, "Huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." And uh, he said, "Well, you can't, you know, you can't get a non-refundable blah 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 blah." I go, "Oh, it's actually not true. That's what my attorneys told me. It's not true. They didn't read. The, you know, uh, it's just not true." Yeah. So I explained the law to him. And he said, uh, send me what you have. So I actually sent him my information on Texas Lease Options. The guy called me back the next day and said, uh, uh, what, about, what about section 5.0, whatever it was, I don't know. He was asking me a specific section about the law. I was very impressed. The guy knows his stuff. Yes, he's great at marketing and you know this and that in sales, but the guy – does his homework. He yeah. he's one of the few. He read the law more than attorneys did. And I was like, I'm actually impressed. So I put him. In t- he wanted to talk to my attorney. Put him in touch with him. Next thing you know, he says, "All right, John, you're going to be here, 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 and here speaking." Wow. And next thing you know, I'm on the road. Uh, uh, and he kind of pushed me onto the stage and getting back into the event arena, if that makes sense. Sure. Because I was just doing deals, and I, the only training I was doing was like – I scaled it down to just like some web-based training, you know, two webinars a month, blah, blah, blah. I stay at home. So I spent the last almost two years um, doing events and basically having to build a training system. I mean a training business, if that makes sense. <clears throat> We're pumping out CDs and all that stuff, you know, the whole – the whole guru stuff, if you will, and traveling and this and that. And um, – uh, so that's what I've been doing the last couple of years and or almost almost two years. And it just uh, um, I enjoy meeting the people and, and, and speaking and this and that. But when you wake up and you don't know where you are, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Joe, you said something last time I saw you, Joe, was in January of this year yeah, in Dallas. That's right. And you said something that really hit home with me because that's exactly what I was thinking. You said something to the effect of, I think I'm done speaking. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you still speak or not, but I don't travel. Uh, no, I don't travel like I used yeah, to. Yeah. And I'm just kind of, that hit me because I was going through a, a bunch of stuff and, uh, and I'll just be honest with everybody on the podcast. Um, there was a time where I sat in a hotel room uh, by myself because I hadn't left for three days because I couldn't let people in to clean the room because I've got $10,000 worth of equipment with me and I'm just going to leave that alone. And you're just sitting there and you get tired of having, you know, room service and uh, you almost have a mental breakdown, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're like, what am I doing? I'm missing all this stuff that my kids are doing, all these events and this and that. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just done. Hmm. Uh, so I've got one last – I don't know when this podcast will get broadcast, but I've got one last event coming up in October. I have nothing – I have no events planned for next year. Um, after this event, I'll kind of – How old you know, are your kids? 
the ones that I know about. Okay, here no. we go. <laughs> <laughs> They're fifteen and twelve. I've got two little girls. All right, fifteen and twelve. Yeah. Wow. So, so you know, you've got like horseback competitions, uh, uh, whether it be you know, gymnastics or you know, a band. My older daughter's in marching band. You know, all these events that I'm missing because I'm sitting by myself like a homeless guy in a hotel room. You know. Yeah. I'm like this, this isn't wow. fun. You know. There's a whole lot of stories I could tell, That's which I won't tell on this podcast. Right it's not for everybody, you know? No. No, there's a lot that um, – and you don't make as much money as you might think you will either. When you're traveling Bingo. the circuit and selling information and courses and stuff, it's it's hard. And uh, there's a few people that do it really well, like Ron Legrand. Uh, yep. He does it really well. He's He's a great salesman. And God bless him for doing that, right? He's helped, you know he's make, he's helped make a ton of people – very, very wealthy in this business, um, but it's 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 really hard to do it like that. You know, you're exactly right, Joe. <clears throat> on all on all points, um, when he first found me, and then I started traveling, or when I first started, you know, kind of doing stuff with him, um, I thought, man, I want to be like, you know, this is great. You know, finally, you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like Ron Legrand. Well, after about two months, I realized I don't want to be like Ron Legrand. And what I mean by that is from the travel aspect. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, well, people don't realize unless you're work with him he does a four-day event every month so he's traveling uh to do those four-day events well between those events he's doing he's traveling to rias and speaking and this and that so he's gone Mm -hmm. i guarantee he's gone at least half the month if not more probably three weeks out of the month yeah and it's not unless you've got the full big package system down you're right joe it's not it's not the big money you know and that's what that's the thing joe that's why I got back off the road a couple weeks ago and decided, you know what? Um, I can make more money doing less work by what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I'll, still, I'll still teach, but I'm going to revamp. I'll have to reassess how I, um, you know, how I approach it. You yeah. Know? So your, your main website, can we give that away for your deals? No, I don't want anybody to find me. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, the main website is where I actually do deals, and yeah. we do them across the country. <clears throat> is leasingtobuy.com. Yep, nice L- website. Yeah. Leasingtobuy.com. I remember looking at that site back in 2008, and it hasn't changed at all since then, John. Well, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> I know it's a simple website, and you've done tons and tons of deals with this. Yep, and your specialty is lease purchasing. Yep. And uh, this is what attracted me to you at the very beginning was, you know, in a, in a, in a straight way, John, because I know what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what attracted me to your website and your business was the uh, how you, you do keep everything professional, right? And that's been a philosophy of yours for a long time, right? You, you, you're not – you don't typically do – the ugly bandit signs or the ugly yellow postcards and things like that, do you? It, well, it depends. We do different types of marketing, which we'll get into. Um, I, what I'm known for is something that would make most people shudder. Uh, I'm known for marketing to listed houses. That's what I'm known for. <laughs> okay. Here there, I said it. It's out uh-huh. there. You know, the, the elephant's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to explain that some more or should we pass go on to the next topic? It looks like we're just about out of time, folks. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. No. Thanks, Alex. What what I do is um and I don't do this as much as I used to. Um but what I'm known for is I will target 
listed houses. The reason is, as I was trying to get this going, you know, back in 2003, Joe, there really wasn't a whole lot of information about marketing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't think Craigslist was around. Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't think it was. If it was, it still looks the same as it does today as well. Oh, just like my website. Yes. (laughs) But I finally, after trying to build a business on my own without really any guidance as far as marketing, I finally thought, okay, who wants to sell their house? Then the light bulb went off. Oh, yeah, those people that are selling their house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right. So I would hit them with – and we've changed our mail pieces over the years. But uh, for listed houses, I've got a trifold brochure I send them. Uh, Explains the benefits of lease purchase uh, kind of plainly, but just kind of a simple brochure to get them to call. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's got my phone number on it. It doesn't go to call rail or anything like that. It goes to my cell phone, yeah, you know? Yeah, And it's got my email address on there because I'm not trying to hide out from anybody, you know, so it comes right to me. Well, let's be clear, too. You're not telling them to cancel their listing agreements. Exactly. No, I'm telling them, please keep your listing. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, could I say, the way I approach it to the homeowner is, listen, if this were my house, I'd want to have every option available. So please keep your listing. Uh-huh. Now, you want to let your list, your, I'm sorry, you want to let your agent know they're looking to offer it as lease purchase and make sure they know. Now, I never talk to the agent. The agent doesn't call me. They didn't get my piece of mail. The owner did. And I don't double check with the owner. Did you call your agent? Did you talk to your agent? I, but I tell them, you better talk to your agent. Let them know, you know what you're looking to do. Okay. And, I, and that's kind of it. Then so they say, okay, let's move forward. Uh, send the contracts, put a sign in the yard right next to the agents, um, put it on our website, boom, done. So you, some of these deals, um, do you, these are lease purchase deals. Do you stay in the middle? Do you assign them no. out or? Okay. Good question. Now I'm in Texas mm-hmm. and I'm also known as the Texas lease option guy. Okay. Uh, apparently the only one that teaches them in Texas. In Texas, you cannot do per the law. I'm not saying people don't do it. Per the law, you cannot do a sandwich lease option okay. because the seller on a lease option has to have what's called fee simple title. That's right. how we hold title in Texas. As a matter of okay. fact, I think all states except New York and Hawaii hold fee simple title. Well, on a sandwich lease option, you as the middle investor are the seller on the B contract. Uh, yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have fee simple title. The owner does. Yeah. So I don't do sandwich lease options. And to be honest with you, Joe, I don't recommend to anybody starting off to start off doing a sandwich lease option or a sub two. You better have some reserves yeah. in the bank. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. And you got to have a lot of equity in the deal. Not yep. a, a lot, but, you know, Alex and I could talk for an hour about our horror stories of oh my gosh. subject I've got, twos and lease options. Uh, well, I mean, we were victims of the market, and you know, right, right. when the market went down, uh, everybody went down. Yeah. So, yeah, I've only done two sandwich lease options back before the law changed. One of them, I think, I only lost about twelve hundred dollars. The other one, uh, at some right after ten thousand dollars, I stopped counting, <laughs> and it was the worst, most. Dis- you couldn't imagine a bigger disaster. You know what? It would have been better if the house would have burned down. You know, I've uh, yeah, I've I have similar stories with rehabs. I I've done two rehabs and I've lost probably a total of sixty grand on both of yeah. those rehabs. <laughs> oh, but man. also, I was a victim of the market. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the yeah it's never your fault. No, it's not my it's fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so John, um, leasing to buy is like a niche, you know, yep. and Talk about why 
you like niches. Why do you like niching down into something like lease options? Why don't you do rehabs and and regular traditional wholesaling and other well, things like that? You know, they say the riches is in the niches. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I do wholesaling. I, matter of fact, we're doing more and more wholesaling uh, now. But for everybody listening to the podcast, keep in mind, at the end of the day, your job – and, Joe, you – you uh, nailed it on the head when you say you're not in the, you're not in the real estate market. You're in the marketing business or right. something. Like, I forgot how you say it, but um, and that's true. So what when I teach people is you do this marketing. We do all this marketing. Get the phone to ring. Don't worry about um, well. I'm only marketing for lease options. No, you know, expand your horizons. Just your marketing. You get the fo- uh, the phone to ring, and your job is to help people. Sure. And so you get their information and you, you look at different options. You know, maybe it's a wholesale deal. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a lease option deal. You know what I have found, Joe, and, and I don't know what you and Alex find, but I find about – when I do marketing to absentee owners mm-hmm. or high equity, I find probably 60% of those leads, maybe a little bit higher, they're not wholesale deals. Because they're not desperate. They're like, well, you know, just kind of calling. Well, here's an option. We can buy for cash for X amount or we could do a lease purchase, uh-huh. you know. And so I'm just looking at different options for them. So I don't just do lease options. I did for years, but I'm doing more wholesaling now. Um, so your job I, is – what you're saying is your job is to find sellers. Your, your yeah. job is to do marketing and to find motivated sellers. But the cool thing about knowing how to do lease, lease options is – they don't have to be drop dead motivated. Please take my house away, type of seller, right? You, you know what? That is exactly right. And I get so you know you hear so many people saying, "Oh, I'm trying to find a motivated seller because I'm going to do lease option." Well, most of my sellers aren't the yeah. typical motivated sellers. They just have a house and looking for a plan B. And guys, this is important. Homeowners think plan A sell for cash. Okay, that's plan A. And when I say sell for cash, that can be an actual just a somebody's going to live in the house. Well, guess what? When they close in that house, guess what the owner gets? Cash. So you can close for cash or um, they think plan B is to rent it out. What they don't know is actually renting it out is plan C. Plan B is a lease option. They're going to get full price, uh, not worry about the repairs, get cash flow each month. That's plan B and that's what you have to educate them on. Right, right. And so now um, you you're only – Really doing lease options in nicer homes, right? In nicer neighborhoods. Yeah. It, what I found is that um, when you do a lease option on a – as an example, Joe, a $60,000 house, the odds of them uh, actually buying the property go down dramatically. You know, over 90% and it's probably over 95%, but over 90% of our buyers buy the properties, because they're nice houses, nice areas, and they don't want to lose that money. And now, we're working with them to get them financed within a year. That That's really important. And this is why I wanted to – I forgot to even mention this, but this is one of the big reasons why I wanted to give John all this money um, and and spend a couple days with him back in 2009 is because his track record for turning tenant buyers into buyers was so high. And, you know, 90%. And that's that number is legitimate. John, can you explain why – that number is so high. Yeah. The first thing comes to nice houses, nice areas. So if you're dealing with houses in, you know, 60, 70,000, $80,000, the odds of them buying are, they, they are stuck in a rental mentality. If you're going to be working with houses in that price range, those, 
you're better off doing an owner finance. Those are not lease option candidates where they actually have the drive and you know to get things done and, and get financing. The second thing is we are very strict about our guidelines as far as people getting in. So we look at people as if underneath FHA guidelines, DT, you know, DTI, debt to income, uh, what's on the report, do they have any public records, bankruptcies, foreclosures, judgments, that type of thing. So we're really scrutinizing them, you know. Some would say, well, you know, aren't you going to do fewer deals, you know, lease option fewer homes when you have those really strict requirements? And, well, you're good. It's not going to do, you're going to do fewer deals. Is that you're not you might not turn them as fast. So I could turn a house, you know, in two weeks if I just let anybody with a heartbeat get in there. Right. You know, if if my application consisted of a mirror, hey, can you fog this mirror? Huh. Boom, you're in. You know, uh, that's you're going to turn property slower, a little bit slower. But you're going to be working with high end people, especially when you get into higher end houses, two eighty, three hundred, three fifty. Uh, a lot of people that come to me for those higher end houses are self-employed, but they make very good money and they may have good income. You know, yeah. we talked a little bit offline about uh, you know being self-employed. Well, so you you were speaking on traveling around a lot, and you're, you you kind of was ne- you were neglecting your deal side of your business a little bit, right? Oh yeah. And so you stopped and turned around and looked, and you thought you saw that you only have um, a few deals now left. On your website, is that is that right? So how many? Yeah, did you have? I, only had a, I think I had. I got off the road a couple of weeks ago, and it was just kind of evaluating everything, Joe, and saying, "Okay, I've been gone for this last trip." And you know how it works, Joe. You you speak at a real estate group, and maybe you sell twelve thousand dollars worth of stuff. Well, you split that with the RIA group, and then it still takes a thirty days to get their check or whatever, you know. And I'm like, man, this is uh, this is bull. What am I doing? I'm, you know, I'm in a hotel room by myself, you know, almost having a breakdown. Can't see my family, and I made, you know, whatever it was. It, I'm like, man, I could have done one deal and not even left my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, what? Uh, I got to change things. So here's what's happened, and this is hopefully uh, those that are listening that are just starting off will get a lot of good information here. So I got back a couple weeks ago and I said, this is bull. I'm changing things. I'm getting my business back on track. I took my eye off the ball and uh, basically it kind of flounder for a couple of, a couple of years, almost two years. We still did deals, but nowhere near what we were doing. So, so I'm having to go back and not reinvent the wheel, but reinvent the business and, and build it back up. Well, in two weeks, I've already gotten uh, – I know we have two more deals that just came up. I, right before we got on this podcast, had a, another lead coming up that's going to be a solid deal. Uh, and these are lease option deals, these particular ones. Uh-huh. But uh, um, just ramping it back up. And I can, yes, I can do it very quickly because I know what I'm doing. But the point is you got to – sometimes you got to stand back and reassess things. So – uh, one of the things we're doing is <clears throat> this week I'm bringing on a, a new VA team to do very specific things. Okay. Uh, guys, if you're going to hire VAs, you better know exactly, I mean to the T, exactly what you want them to do. Don't hire a VA just to hire a VA. You better know exactly what you want them to do. Write it out, uh, assuming it's something you know that you would write out like that. And I would hire – Three or four people, guys, if you're going to hire VAs, hire three or four and test them for a couple of weeks 
and then hire the, I mean, fire those that suck and hire the good one. Um, something else, guys, that I do, and Joe, you may do this with your VAs as well, but I utilize uh, ScreenFlow. ScreenFlow is for yeah. Mac. If you're using a PC, guys, Camtasia. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing something or you need a VA to do something that's web-based or going into a website to do something, I record basically a training video you know, on ScreenFlow or, uh, again, if you're PC, uh, Camtasia, and record it and send it to them. So there's no questions. You know, I mean, it's just very, very simple and to the point. So we're going to be – we're hiring a new VA team this week. When you're hiring a VA, guys – Here's what, what I do is I've got a list of things, I mean a huge list of things that they could do for me. But when I first hire them, I'm going to give them maybe two to three things to start off with. Mm -hmm. Get things going, then add to the list as you see they can do it, if that makes sense. So sure. don't think that you can just blast them with 20 things to do because they'll get overwhelmed and the, the effectiveness will go down. Uh, third, uh, Another thing I want to mention is um, if, when you're going to hire a VA off of, it's now Upwork or Elance, which is, it's all the same company now. But yeah. when you hire a VA, when you put a job out there, guys, this may sound silly, but I actually learned this from Tim Ferriss. It's, it's helped so much. When you put a job out there for a VA, somewhere in your description, maybe even the second line, I want, you need to put this. In order for your reply or, or for your response to be uh, accepted, your first sentence and your reply must be, I am a human. <laughs> okay. I am a human. The reason for that uh, is when you put a job on Upwork or Elance, these companies overseas have basically scrapers, you know, yeah. just replying, you know. So you know that only the only – replies you're going to look at are the ones that start off with I am human. Does that make sense, Joe? Well, they're also they're also uh, doing what you asked them to do. They're so they're good at following detailed instructions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it helps sort out, you know, just random people. I mean, I've put I put I put job posts out for whatever uh graphics work and people will reply that have no the reply has nothing to do with the job. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I don't need a database made. I need some graphics work done. Sure, sure. So um, anyway, guys, so the, you guys starting off for hiring VAs, hire three or four at a time, then fire those that suck. But just give them a couple of jobs to be very, very specific on what you need done. Uh, something else I'm doing, Joe, that we're bringing on this week. Um, we're going to be hiring drivers. Uh, I'll probably, who knows? I'll probably hire about four or five, and then again fire those that suck. But uh, they're going to be doing uh, – they will be doing bandit signs for us. This will be for more of the wholesale stuff. And they'll also be driving for dollars where they take a picture oh, yeah? of the house and then uh, the address. They will then um, cross-reference the address over to tax records and send me a spreadsheet. And my VA will uh, convert that to a CSV file and will we'll send mailings to those homeowners that maybe the house looks vacant or empty or whatever. Those homeowners that have houses that look vacant, we will actually be sending them uh, an, a fake express mail envelope. Um, it looks like an express mail. Um, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't cost much at all. You can get them from 3D mail. Have you ever used 3D mail? Um, I think I have. I don't remember, to be honest. Um, they've got a whole diff bunch of different products, but... Um, you can use 3D mail. You can actually even upload 
your file uh, just like you can with GoBig. Do you ever use GoBig printing? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So similar to GoBig printing, but you can use a fake express mail envelope. It's going to cost a little bit more per piece, but it, I can tell you what, man, this thing stands out in the mail. Yeah. And it will be opened. Um, the drivers are also going to be utilizing, um, was it Simple Crew? Sure. Yeah. Simple Crew. It, yeah, uh, I've, I have not used them before, so I'm looking forward to this. But they'll be using Simple Crew for the for the bandit signs. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, Simple Crew uh, and Joe, you may have talked about this in previous podcasts. I don't know. Simple Crew is basically just a a driver app. Yeah. Where your driver takes a picture of the bandit sign and it it GPS locates it. So, yeah, it's pretty slick. And in fact, Dan Schwartz, the guy I do the podio stuff with, his former roommate or friend was actually the one who developed and created that. And he built it for people who do concert promotions and right. hire people yeah. to put signs out there. Um, yeah. So the person taking the, putting the sign out there takes a picture of it from a smartphone, and the smartphone will GPS locate each where that picture is taken from. Exactly. But, um, mm-hmm. okay, so are now these guys that you're hiring driving around looking for houses, vacant houses, or doing bandit signs, are you having them go into nicer neighborhoods or cheaper neighborhoods? It 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 doesn't matter. Uh, but let me try to be more specific on that. The bandit signs are going to go more in the crappy areas, okay? Corner of a Walmart, corner of this, corner of that, whatever. But when they're driving, they will be driving very specific areas. Some of them may be some of them may be older, some of them may be nicer. I'm going to start off with probably the older areas because if we do a wholesale, if we get a wholesale deal there, I've got the people I can flip it to immediately, but they will be expanding into nicer areas. Yeah. Okay. So, what percentage of your deals would you say are traditional wholesaling, and what percent it's, are lease options? Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably turned more to. I would almost say fifty-fifty, Joe. May, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's not true. Maybe sixty percent lease option, forty percent wholesale. Is that because you've been doing more? Because your philosophy used to be for your lease options, and it still is probably, where you you send your marketing out to a 30-minute drive or 30-minute radius yeah. from your house, right? Yeah, and I still do that. I don't market to houses that are you know, an hour away. Yeah. Um, I just, there's no need to. And that's the thing, guys, listening to podcasts is that I always say, focus on your bread and, bread and butter territory when you're starting off and you can grow up from there. But it's amazing how, uh, you know, I guarantee you within a 30 or 40 minute drive of my house, there's more deals than I can, you know, I can even handle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not looking to build a, you know, a Sean Terry empire, you know, where I'm doing a <laughs> whatever, 30 deals a month. I just, you know, I'd rather do, you know, say eight deals a month and uh, enjoy life. I mean, sure. everybody's different, you know, but that's just me. You, you have a real simple operation, too. You've got some VAs. Yep. Um, you're still working with that one lady who helps you with the mortgages and the credit repair. Oh, yeah, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel. she's still with me. She uh, has, she's really... Uh, transformed over the last couple of years to be <clears throat> to set up all the uh, speaking engagements and the big events and this and that okay. at the hotels and all that but yeah she's still with me and we we still work with uh, directly with mortgage uh with loan officers uh mortgage bankers uh, she still has credit improvement for our clientele so we've got everything in place still yeah. good now when you get these properties under contract uh, about how many houses do you have advertised at one time on your website on my website yeah on Texas. my website i don't know but just you know what? Because we get so many houses, I don't even know. 
to be honest with you. Now, me personally, I think I've got uh, – I just go to the website to see. I think we have eight or ten under my name right now, but we just closed on two of them or just you know got them under contract and okay. we just found the buyer. Uh, I've got two more that just came up. I've got another one coming up uh, this week. So, um, But typically, I'll ha- normally, I would have – you know, 10, 10 properties under my name at one time for a lease purchase. I found in, in my experience when I was doing this pretty aggressively um, with just lease options, I needed to have 10 to 20 properties that I was advertising at any one time to do four to five deals a month. Yeah, that's, I would say that's probably true. That's so, probably is, true. so is that like – but it's, it's, it's weird because if you just had a few properties on your website – they're harder to sell. Yes. But when yes. you have a bunch of them, they become easier to sell. Yeah, and yeah, no, you're exactly right. And the reason for that, Joe, is imagine you had a car lot. Uh-huh. And you've got a car lot, you're going to sell some cars. And you have one, uh, you know, uh, one car on the car lot. You yeah. know, maybe it's uh, a car kind of like what Alex drives, you know, an old, uh, <laughs> an old uh, 83 or, you know, 72 uh, Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you've got to find one person that wants that car. But if you have 20 cars, well, now you've got a car lot sure. and people can choose. And so what happens is you'll, if you get 15, 20, 25 houses, whatever, on your site and your marketing, those other houses will pull people in and maybe they see a house you have, but then they decide to go with another house that you have. So you're exactly right. If you have more properties, it's easier to turn them for sure. And you're, this is what's crazy about the way you do lease options is you're still advertising how much you need for an option deposit. Right, yep. uh, a lot of people, and even some that we've been talking about, will not advertise that because you don't want to, you know, scare too many people away. And right, so you're advertising the actual option deposit money that you want, which is many times pretty high compared to what other investors who are doing lease options are asking for. Yeah, if you go to leasingtobuy.com, you see our houses, you'll see all the numbers right there, boom, in your face. Uh, $200,000, $200, option fee, 7000 monthly payment, you know, 1795 But I what? can hear people saying right now, "How you can't get seven grand option deposit on these properties? What are you, crazy? What do you well, say to that? Uh, <laughs> I've done it for 13 years, so I guess I can. <laughs> 13 years. Well, it's, it's coming up on 13 years, yeah. And this is why... You know, if you were taking the first tenant buyer who could fog a mirror, you would be doing twice as many deals as you're doing now. Yeah, right? and you know what? You'd have about ten times the headaches, wouldn't you, Joe? Yes, exactly. I mean, we've, all, we've all we've all had headaches, you know. So you're uh, you're you're trying to get three to three and a half, three to three and a half percent down on each house, right? Yeah, I'm getting closer to four percent now. Okay, so why is that? Like, there, why there, do you do the that? Re- the reason is. First of all, so they've got some serious skin in the game. The other reason, which is probably bigger, is um, when they go to get financing, most people that come through us go FHA. Well, FHA requires 3.5% down. Yeah. When they pay us, say, 3.5%, 4% down, they go to get financing, they don't need any more money down. Now, they may need a little bit more for closing costs, but the point is they're set up for success. Sure. So if – so, you know – and the thing that the thing is, Joe, a lot of people that teach lease options uh, don't understand finance, and they don't understand the the, uh, the, the guidelines, uh-huh. and they inadvertently, whether they mean to or not, end up kind of setting the buyer up for failure. You know, 
You know, so let's assume it's a $250,000 house and they get $1,000 down. Well, first of all, they have no skin in the game. Secondly, they're going to have to come up with about six, five hundred bucks now. Yeah. And so you're, you're finding a way to get that money, that option deposit money they pay down up front. You're finding a way to get that applied towards their future down payment. Exactly. And, and, and I get a lot of questions about this. And it's, I, I guess, because I've done it for so long, I just don't think anything about it. Your assignment fee. Again, this depends – first of all, it goes back to your documents. You better have very good documents. Um, and so I just assigned the contract with me and the seller over to the buyer. Yeah. But my option to purchase is very, very clear, and it's very – I mean, my documents are, are you know ironclad. And when the lender and the title company get my option to purchase from that buyer, uh-huh. they know exactly what to do. There's no question about it. So they, the money they pay me goes towards – it'll show as uh, earnest money on the HUD-1. Now, do you have to, because I've seen this before in my own business where sometimes the lenders have a problem with that. And so how do you get around that, though? Do you If, if, if the lender has a problem, then there's been occasion where someone goes to a loan officer. Because per RESPA, I can't make them use our contacts you know, for financing. Sure, sure. So what happens is this. When someone says, oh, I've, my brother-in-law is a loan officer. I'm just going to use him. Inadvert- you know, it, Inevitably, I should say, the brother-in-law is going to call me. Hey, uh, I just got this contract over here. Uh, well, what's the lease purchase? And I got to start from. I got to educate the loan officer. Uh-huh. I've had a couple of issues, but they were resolved very quickly when, he, when either I explained to the loan officer how to how to structure because it, it's pretty simple. This is your earnest money. <laughs> yeah. This the rent credit. It's actually a seller concession. Yeah, you know, I, I have to explain to him how to how to put the so the original option deposit money. Who was that made out to? The to you, me to you to your company. The leasing to buy. Yeah. What, and it will it, show it'll show in the option of purchase as option consideration. It goes in the HUD as earnest money. Would it be easier if you had a, that made to an escrow company? You could. You certainly could. I don't. Uh, just because I've kind of, to be honest with you, Joe, because I've done it for so long and, and got the system down, I yeah. don't. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to use an earnest, com- uh, I'm sorry, uh, escrow company, they certainly could. I never do. And you know what? I do something that you know would make everybody listening to this podcast, their jaws are about to drop. Uh, I don't use an attorney to close my documents or to close my deals. Okay. But you use an attorney to gra- draft your documents for you. Uh, no, I got them at Staples. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good, great. So moving on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe me, I've spent, and you know this, Joe, I've spent yeah. probably $30,000 on my contracts. And that's the thing, Joe, for everyone listening, if you want to get into real estate and you want to use free contracts, you need to think about if you want to be in real estate. Yeah. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, it's, you get what you pay for. <laughs> yeah, and you what? When something goes wrong, uh, it's your rear on the line, you know? Sure, sure. But, I like how you just, you really keep it simple, John. And one of the things I like about the way you, um, and I don't know how we're doing on time here. Oh, we're doing good. Uh, I like how your philosophy when you talk to sellers, talk a little bit about that. You know, you send out marketing, you don't get a huge response from your brochures, right? Um, but you, you have those go to your cell phone. Yep. Talk about your process when you talk to sellers. What happens? Well, the uh, when the seller calls and they say, um, you know, hey, I got your, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's scared about talking to sellers, Joe. Yeah, uh, I'm not by any means, but for those people starting off or they're scared to talk to sellers, I I teach them my. It's basically a sixty second spiel is what I call it. Uh huh. And here's how it goes: a seller calls. 
you know, hey, I got your brochure in the mail. Just want to find out what you do. Oh, hey, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to help you with that. Let me do this if I could. And I apologize. I'm pulling up to a meeting right now. Uh, what is is this phone number you called from? Is that a good number to call you back at? Yeah, it sure is. Okay, great. Um, let me do this. What is it? And I apologize. What is your name? Joe Smith. Okay. Uh, Joe, uh, and again, like I said, just pulled to a meeting here, but I'd like to get back with you uh, maybe later today and when I can you know, really sit down and uh, go through everything in detail. Let me do this, though, while I've got you on the phone. What is your property address? And then I ask him, is it listed for sub-owner, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And you have a good email address? Because I can actually email you some information when I get back to the office. Yeah, here's my email address. Okay, great. Fantastic, uh, Joe Smith. Let me get back to you uh, this afternoon when I get back in the office, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, now, great. Now, do you, do you get their, their asking price? No. I'm going to pull it up anyway. Okay, because it's it's probably listed. It's either FISBO or uh, listed. Okay, you know. okay. Now, now, if it's not, then... Uh, what I do is I just look at the the numbers for the area, you know, and say, okay, you're probably looking at about two twenty or whatever, you know. Okay, all right. And we can go back on the numbers. I don't. This, here's the thing, guys. With the lease option, if you're just assigning it, there's no negotiating. Sure. Yeah. That's, you just go, okay, how much you want? Two hundred. Okay. <laughs> here's the contract. <laughs> right. Right. That's a beautiful thing. That's you just give them. That's your it's offer. Totally. I shouldn't say it's totally different, but it's quite a bit different than wholesaling a house where you're negotiating and uh, you know trying to get them, you know, really get them down and blah blah blah. With the lease option, dude, it's it's done. It's, All right. So you, you 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 just the purpose of that first call is just to get some information. All I need is their name, email address, the address, the phone number. That's it. I don't that's, need to know how many bedrooms or bathrooms. I don't care. Right. And then what do you do? You write that stuff down. You rudely hang up on them. And And then I rudely hang up and I go back to watching SpongeBob. (laughs) Okay. Hey, you know what? If Alex isn't on the line anymore, can we make fun of him? He he had to get off, but sure, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So so here's the thing, guys. I've got a series of three emails, and they're all pre-drafted. So in other words, I'm not recreating the wheel every time. Yeah. So they call... Okay, thank you. I send them a pre-drafted email with how does the lease purchase help. It's a two-page PDF, okay? Uh Uh Goes through the basic stuff of a lease purchase. Gives them something to look at. Uh, The next thing is I pull up the numbers. I go to – you can go to Zillow. I'm sorry. Let me back up. The first thing I do is I pull the tax records, okay? So now I've started my file. Now, we all know the tax appraisal value is not the most accurate thing. But it gives me an idea – but it has other data on there, year built, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, it also has the owner's name. So if someone calls me named Jim Smith and I pull it up and it's you know some other name on the title, I'm going to bring that up. Who is so-and-so? You know? yeah. So I pull the tax records. I go to, you can go to Zillow.com, and I know the area well enough. I can tell pretty closely what the value is. I go to Zillow.com, see if it's listed or for sale by owner or whatever. See if there's other houses in the area for sale. What are they going per square foot? And this takes, Joe, this takes like less than two minutes. Boom, okay. I put the numbers together. I put the numbers together on what I call, it's a seller price sheet that I have drafted. I send that with a pre-drafted email that goes out. They get the email, I'm sorry, they get the numbers. I follow up with them that day or the next day. Hey, did you get the email with the numbers? And yeah, everything looks good. Then I put everything in the contract, email it to him, and schedule a time to go out and take pictures. That's it. Now, now here's the thing, guys. I've done, I don't know how many lease options I've done. I don't know, five, 50, six, I don't know however many hundred I've done. I know it's over 500. I didn't see most of the houses. I never talked to most of the buyers, okay? Uh, I had reps that would do that for me. 
Now, I'm not saying you need to do that starting off, but the point is, and I've scaled it down now, Joe, and I, but as we look to ramp this up pretty heavily, I will probably be on more reps where I don't see the houses like I do now. Yeah. Okay. And do you find still it's, it's easier to get the contract signed if you go meet with them in person? Um, it's, how do I say this, Joe? Um, it's not a wholesale deal. On a wholesale deal, yes. Uh-huh. For a lease purchase assignment, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. The contract <laughs> is basically a formality. In yeah. other words, they're either going to do it or not. If I go over to their house, it really, it's not. In other words, I'm not going to go to their house unless I know they're pulling the trigger. Sure, sure. So if they if they go, well, let me think about. It. I'm not going to drive to their house. Yeah. Well, you know? let me let me ask you another question about the real estate agent. If it is listed, mm-hmm. so what do you tell them to do? You already said, you know, call your agent and tell them what's going on. But your contract is just with the seller to lease purchase the house. Right? It is, and the contract, our contract, uh, is not an exclusivity contract. Yeah. So, in other words, it gives the buyer. I'm sorry, the seller or myself can cancel the contract at any time prior to the assignment. So they can rent it out themselves or whatever. I don't care. Now, years when I first started. Uh, it was different. Our contract said they had to give us 30 days you uh-huh. know, to market it. Now it's like, whatever, dude, just, you know, let's go. So the agent still gets paid. So if you do a lease well, purchase. Well, they may. I don't, I don't pay them. Sure. But if the seller decides to do a lease purchase, they can still work out a commission with that agent. And oh, yeah. you're not paying them. But So sometimes you give, don't you give the seller one month's rent as an option consideration? What I'll tip- I didn't used to give them anything, Joe, years and years ago. Now I typically give them like a thousand bucks of my fee. So if I'm getting say eight thousand dollars, I give them a thousand bucks. It's in yeah. the contract, yeah. you know, and they can do whatever they want. You yeah, know? and then sometimes they use that to pay an agent like part of a commission. Then if and when the house sells a year or two down the road, that agent can get the rest of their commissions. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, Joe, and for everyone listening, I never know if an agent gets. I don't know what the owner does with the with the agent. It's uh-huh. not. I'm not in that line of communication. My communication was the owner. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, and their relationship with the agents between them and themselves. Right. Also, having said that, and I don't, I don't want to dissuade people from working with agents because uh, certainly there's a huge uh, bonus there. But as far as on the lease option side, Joe, what I have found, and maybe you found something different. Do you know, in almost 13 years, I've never had an agent bring me a buyer that qualified for my program? Yeah. Because, and and unfortunately, agents are not trained in um, uh, finances. Mm -hmm. So they'll call me, oh, uh, you know, so you got a lease purchase over here. Do you work with agents? Yeah, I sure do. Well, I've got a buyer and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I'll I'll say, ask the the agent, well, do you know if they have any... uh, you know, any uh, judgments or do you do they have any foreclosures? No, no, no. They don't have foreclosures. No, we just did a quick sale on their house. I'm like, oh, you mean a – well, there's no such thing as a quick sale. You mean a short sale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. Okay, yeah. I can't help them for three years. Right. <laughs> so, right. So I just – I mean I'm not saying not to work with agents by any means. I'm just saying I've never had an agent bring me a buyer I could work with. So mm-hmm. I can just find them on my own. Good, good. Um, now – you're doing deals in other parts of the country, though, right? So how are you doing that? Are you, are you partnering got, with students? or A combination of things, Joe. I've got students that are across the country that I work with. I've got some people 
in uh, one's in Washington, his brother's in Houston, and they're sending me leads, and I'll JV with them. You know, I'll put, I'll help them with the numbers and everything, and JV with them. So um, that works out. And I, I'm, I think I'm going to do more of the JV stuff. I didn't used to JV with anybody unless they came to my three day event. The reason for that, Joe, in, in my mind, was if I try to JV with somebody that has never even been to my three day event, basically. They're just getting a, a basically a, a cold lead yeah. on, on my desk, and now I've got to do all the work. So uh, I've been kind of hesitant to do that, but uh, certainly if somebody's been through my three-day event, I will JV with them. Just because that, that way they already know their stuff, and we can speak the same language, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. And so you know, we started kind of this conversation with talking about education. You were getting into that, and you know, it's, it's hard work traveling on the road and um, – you can probably make more money doing deals. Most people will make more money doing deals than they will selling information. Um, yeah, it's not the same for everybody, um, but it's it's like speaking and training because we get a lot of people that ask me about that. You know, or they want to create their own course. It's it's not for everybody. It's not, Joe. And you've got to have. I mean, depending on what level you want to take it. Um, if you're going to do the, you know, if you're going to play with the big boys. Um, from the training perspective, you have to have um, <laughs> you have to want to travel a lot and not be at home, and you've got to have uh, your stuff together. You've got to have it produced, mass produced. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to know your stuff, and also um, you will learn very quickly how much it costs to rent a, uh, a hotel room. I mean, a hotel ballroom for three days. <laughs> and by the way, it's it, the most expensive thing at the hotel is coffee. Oh, it's re- don't get me started on that. I'm like, and I don't oh, even drink coffee. Cow. I got the bill from one of our last events. I'm like four hundred dollars for coffee. I don't even drink it. It's not even that good. <laughs> and they charge us. It's so ridiculous. It, it, and so that's why I'm like, you know what? I, I just uh, 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 I'm going to rethink things as far as yeah. after this next event. We'll see. We'll see what. So, happens. but you're still doing smaller private not private but like you're doing smaller workshops in the dfw area right i'm actually not joe and that's okay. the thing is after this i've got this big event in, in san antonio i think we've got uh about 70 people that are going to be there it'll be a, a big event i've actually got a couple of great oh my gosh one of the guest speakers maybe you know both of them i don't know uh a good friend of mine mitch steven yeah uh-huh. he'll be speaking matter of fact i'm reading his book now very by the way guys listen to this podcast if you haven't read it go out and buy go to amazon and get mitch steven uh his books my life in a thousand houses he has two of them uh my life in a thousand houses and the other one is my life in a thousand houses 200 plus ways to find properties but uh the guy is just a a great guy um known for a while but he's speaking i've also got duncan weirman speaking he's coming out to speak yeah and uh but uh, anyways that's the last event and i'm gonna reevaluate you know am i gonna Scale it back to just going back to web-based training, which is nice because you're just at home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. But I know you do train, but you don't travel. Uh, do you travel at all anymore? I mean, besides with the family. But, I mean, for work, do you travel at all? No, I stopped traveling and speaking a year or two ago. I'll do it occasionally. Well, are you spoke in January at Henson's group. That's right. Was that January of this year, 2015? That was January this year. That was, the, saw you. that was the last time. Well, I did, and I did speak in Barcelona. We did a workshop in Barcelona, oh, okay. oh, Spain. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. That, that counts, I think. No, but How many people were there? We had 27, 20, 30 people there. Is that right? That was really good. It was so much fun. 
Man. One of the guys that was on the at there in Barcelona is from Charleston, South Carolina, and we're going to be interviewing him in a couple days and oh. uh, a couple weeks. Real good guy. But I met so many great people there. Um, there's some more opportunity coming up in the near future, actually, as well, to do more workshops in Spain and England. Uh, and one of the things that they're doing, they're doing a lot of lease option deals in England right now. Mm, yeah. And so yeah. hello, all my friends from the U.K., there is a lady that runs a big uh, forum over in London, and I cannot remember her name. Uh, uh, shoot. Uh, yeah. But she does it. They do a ton of real estate stuff over there, and I wish I would have had that in front of me to yeah. I can connect you to. But she's over in London. Um, property uh, – I don't remember. Offline, I'll find her information, and yeah. I'll just send your information if you ever want to contact her. Uh, she's over in London. Uh, Property Tribes. I think it's propertytribes.com. Okay. So you may want to give her a shout. But uh, so, yeah. but you're doing deals now um, mainly, and you, you've always kept your business really simple. And I, that's one thing I like about you and appreciate about you is that it's, it's not complicated. It's not rocket science. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You've been doing lease options in Texas when everybody's telling you you can't do them in Texas <laughs> yeah. for how many years now? Well, the the law changed. Well, I've been doing it since 2003, so almost 13 years. But Texas law changed in late 2005, went to effect January 2006. So uh, there was a guy. So I was doing my thing. You know, obviously, I spent a ton of money on the documents because this is my baby. I can't just shut it down because the law changed. So I had to change with the law. And so I was doing my thing, got the contracts done. And then there was this guy, some guy out of St. Louis that said, John, you got to sell your contract. You got to sell what you're doing. You're <laughs> and I don't remember his name. Yeah. But, uh, yeah so, yeah, you know, I've got the Texas lease option CD that people will get. I actually have attorneys that buy that CD from me because wow. it's got all the contracts and it also explains the law. Yeah. You know? Good. Good. So, really good stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, so I'm excited about uh, ramping up the business again because I can do it very quickly. Uh, but again, for those people listening that are just starting off, don't think you have to accomplish everything all at once. I'm going to throw you out. I think you do tweetables, don't you, Joe? Yeah, here's a tweetable. All right, here's a, do, 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 here's a tweetable. Stand by. Uh, and I think this is really important. Guys, if you're listening, write this down because um, you're going to get overwhelmed uh, trying to start off in real estate. But here's the thing, guys, and here's the tweetable. You start with what's necessary. Then you do what's possible. And soon you'll be doing the impossible. Whoa. Bam, baby. <laughs> but That's I think good. Say it, I think say it again one more time. Yeah. Okay. Start with what's necessary. Then do what's possible. And soon you'll be doing the impossible. That's good. And here's what I mean by that, guys. And that's very, very important to know and kind of helps clear your mind of you know getting just bogged down. Start with what's necessary. What do I mean by that? Guys, if you're not doing any marketing – you don't have to spend three weeks trying to learn Podio. Nobody mm -hmm. cares. Yep, yep. Get the marketing done. Um, one of the things that um, I have found when training people is there are some people that fall into the, into the uh, realm of what I call uh, picking out colors and buying crap. Yep. Now, what does that mean? Uh, someone, you know, I train them, you know, and, and you know, a month later, I'm, you know, doing another call with them. Oh, John, what do you think about, do you think I should have purple in my business card? Or do you think I should go with the blue? Oh, I just bought some, I bought a scan, <laughs> I bought some pencils. I'm like, you haven't accomplished anything. Mm -hmm. You're buying crap and picking out colors. Nobody cares. Yep. Start with what's necessary. Okay? Which, which is marketing. 
right? It's just marketing. All it comes down all to marketing. And you know what? Uh, people get so excited you know, about buying business cards. You know what? I almost never hand my business card out. I, mean, I don't I even – I don't have business cards. Yeah. And I, you know I love I, the look I get from people when I tell them, I'm sorry, I don't have one. My, your face is your card, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, you need you know, me, so, if you need me, I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You know something? Uh, if someone's going to get a business card, here's the best business card you can get. And I, I wish we were doing video. I could show it to you. Get a card that on both – it has to say the same thing on both sides because, you know, people always flip a card over. Uh-huh. Um, it, it says something to the effect of I, I pay cash – for skinny leads, one thousand dollars, and one thousand dollars has to be in big bold lettering. I pay cash for skinny leads, one thousand dollars, and you go to your RIA group and you hand that out to people. Because guess what? Most people do at RIAs, they're wholesalers. Yeah. They have no clue what to do with a skinny lead, but you'll pay them cash. That's the best business card. If you're going to get one, that's the card. I pay, I pay cash for skinny leads, one thousand dollars, and you have your phone number on there. Skinny leads, interesting. Yeah, so I guess. <laughs> if you're really overweight, you might have some problems with that. <laughs> oh my gosh! You uh, know, fat, what about fat lead? You know, pay, uh, fat that, lead. that reminds me. We were my family and I pulled up to the video store to return a movie, and this lady pulls up uh, with these magnets on her oh, car. About did you say video store? I know. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> what was this? <laughs> Alex, you missed the whole conversation. Thanks for joining the last yeah. five seconds. Yeah. No, uh, I know we normally. Don't go. There. It doesn't matter. So this lady gets. She has these magnets on her car. You know, lose weight now. Thirty day free sample or something. She gets out, and the left side of the car just lifts up because <laughs> oh, she's that big. And even my kids are laughing. They're like, oh my gosh, not a good, not a good uh, uh, display of the product there. <laughs> oh boy, a video yeah, some, at the video store. At the video. <laughs> Come on, John. He was in front of Redbox. That's what it was. <laughs> it was yeah. <laughs> the video. I feel embarrassed now because we actually rented a movie. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Who does that anymore? I shouldn't even say we, that because there's probably a ton of people that still rent movies. <laughs> uh, we normally don't, but you know, sometimes on pay-per-views, like there's nothing on. You know. Have so. you ever heard of like? Do you use iTunes or Amazon Video or Netflix? I don't use or? Amazon Video. I think I'm about to buy either Apple TV or what's that other one, Roku TV or something. Yeah, the Apple, the new Apple TV looks pretty slick. I'm, I'm going to be buying that. It's just a like a little box that plugs into your goes into your yeah. Wi-Fi. Well, yeah, right? there's 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 Chromecast now. Uh, Amazon has a Fire Stick or something like that. Um, there's yeah, I mean I even. Net, you know, even uh, Redbox is going to probably be going out of business soon. But no way. Yeah, because it's like it's so easy now to just stream any movie you want for wow. three bucks. You don't have to go anywhere. Alex sounds so sad. <laughs> do you own, do you own, do you own stock in Redbox, Alex? No, no, but it's just nice and easy. The only thing it gets you with though is when. Um, you know, it's only one day, but then you, you, oh, I'll get back there. I'll get back yeah. there. And you don't get back there. And then two days go by and then I'll get back there and I'll get, and then three and then four and then five. You, and you paid $8 for the thing. How do they charge you late fees? Do they have your credit they card? Don't. Yeah, they've got your credit card. And if you don't bring it back in a certain amount of time, you, you know, that after 20 days, you've bought the thing for like 20 bucks. Yeah. They do stop charging you though after, because ask me how I know, uh, they do <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. They do stop charging, I think, after 30 bucks or something. So you've already. I've never, I've never gone to a red box. You know why? Because I always have a red box like. Cause, in front cause of like the you, shady places. Oh, you never see a red box in front of like a, a Del Frisco steakhouse, you know? Yeah. We, yeah. Alex can go get uh, go get a, a six pack of uh, Milwaukee's Best, uh, his smokes, and a movie <laughs> all in one stop. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so but this has been a good educational, fun phone call interview as, as usual. And we did interview you, John, probably three. Two or three years ago, if anybody's okay, interested. Was, I remember that, yeah. You know what? Who was the 10th person you ever interviewed? Was it you? Bam, baby. No way. It was me, 2011. Wow. That was four yeah. years ago. And you know what? I've never actually listened to your podcast. So I hope they're good. <laughs> I, only listened to, I only listened to Joe Fairless and... Uh, oh, stop it. <laughs> no. You know what? I listen to your podcast in the gym. Uh, do you think... I will say this, Joe, um, as you've done this for years now, don't you think that you and Alex have really grown as interviewers? Uh, Do you ever go back and listen and go, wow, that sucked? But then five years later, you go, oh, that's pretty good now. I still <laughs> I still listen to them and think they suck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's, uh, you know, way, guys, it's, it's always hard to listen to yourself, so I'm not a good is. judge I, of that. You know what? I hate listening to myself. I just We're about to put out some audio CDs of my three-day event. Uh-huh. I can assure you I only listened to like a snippet just to make sure where the cutoff was. And just I, was, I don't want to hear myself, you know? <laughs> just send it to the production company. By the way, guys, if, you have, uh, if you're listening to this podcast – one of the uh, fantastic interview that I think kind of ties into where I am now with uh, focus is go listen to the interview that Joe did with Medley, oh, with Jason Medley. That was a good one. How long ago was that? Well, I <laughs> it's before you left, right? Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him about four months ago, but we just released it a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. So are you going to hold this one in the can for four months too? Probably. I'll wait yeah. until I get clearance from the FCC. FCC. <laughs> And let them know it's still okay to release a podcast with you in it. <laughs> just, and, and the FBI. You just have to have a disclaimer before. But anyway, guys, no, that interview with Medley, you know, uh, when you invited me out to uh, Collective Genius, whenever that was, yeah. uh, it was very impressive, Jason. He's just one of those guys that you know immediately. The guy is brilliant. Yeah. He yeah. is sharp. And that interview you did with him was, uh, I thought, was so good and really hit me because of the timing because i'm hmm. refocusing now you know but great interview guys if you listen go listen to jo- jason medley uh, the guy's sharp as a tag yeah that was um episode i'll tell you in a minute but that was a really good one and i i feel bad for taking so long to release it i i apologize to jason and it was episode 117 and uh okay. he, he didn't even apo- he didn't even respond to my apologies so <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> Oh crap! He's mad at me now. Uh, <laughs> he's, so. he's probably, oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, um, I don't know. Are we about out of time here? Yeah, uh, Alex. Okay. Do you have any other questions you want to ask, John? No, I think I'm good. Hey guys, something you. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, I meant to say this earlier. You know, I'm hiring drivers. One of the downsides of having uh, driving for dollars have uh, what do you call it? Uh, bird doggers. Uh-huh. Bird dogging. Is people don't understand percentages. What I mean okay. by that is if you try to hire someone and say, I'll pay you 20% of what we make, most people don't understand what percentage is. But if you say, hey, I'll pay you $750 for each deal we do, that's a number they get. Sure. They get a, so what I'm doing is different. I'm going to be paying these drivers $10 an hour, but they've got to bring me a quota of five leads per hour. Interesting. So 
but then I'm going to pay him a bonus on anything we close is 750 bucks. But the thing, the reason I'm doing that is if I were to put an ad out there, hey, I'm hiring drivers, you get 20% of what we make. They don't understand what percentage is, you know? And what happens then is you've trained these bird dogs and spent all this time with them and they end up just vanishing. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. They want to see a paycheck. So if you tell them, I'll pay you every other week $10 an hour, I'm just using that as an example, but I'm paying $10 an hour, 20 hours a week, but you've got to bring me five leads per hour. That's 100 leads a week. That's good. That's, I mean, you know what? I'll pay 200 bucks for 100 leads, uh-huh. you know? That's a good but, tip. Yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing. But uh, And also, guys, on marketing, because we've got a lot of people that have never – done anything yet or just starting off and Joe maybe you and uh, Alex will agree with this people think you have to have all this money to market do you know I've started off with no cash when I started this business the best marketing I find sometimes is creativity not money interesting you get creative that's where the marketing comes in okay it's anybody can throw money at marketing but when you get creative that's when uh, your entrepreneurism shows and that's some of the best marketing. I think some of the the most creative way to do marketing as well is when you do send direct mail, answer the phones. Yeah. One of the reasons why you've been so successful is because you do answer the phones. Yeah, the only time we don't, right now anyway, is if it's off a bandit sign. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, call me. It's not like you're going to get 10,000 calls a week. You know? Yeah, especially when you're sending ugly brochures like you send. I'm just kidding. They're not ugly. The ugly ones. Yeah. Well, they're, <laughs> they're professional looking brochures. You're not going to get a lot of calls with those. So yeah. why can't you answer those calls live? Exactly. Exactly. I'm and starting to, even, even on my regular wholesaling deals, we're, we're trying where we're sending postcards and, you know, yellow letters. We're still trying to answer the phones live. Oh yeah. And you know, I still put my phone number. The only thing I don't put my phone number on is a bandit sign. Now, I've got a property acquisition person now that just brought him on because uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of leads in the pipeline that I just couldn't handle when I was on the road. You know, yeah, well, right. I would, I didn't have the systems in place. You know, and Joe, you're a bit ad, big advocate of having the systems in place. So I'm back now. I'm off the road. Property acquisition person. Boom. Here's these leads. Let's go. Excellent. And if anybody has a skinny deal in DFW area. Yep. They can contact you how? Through rumor. <laughs> the carrier pigeons. Yes, that's that's how my family and I communicate. Just all rumor. Um, okay. No, they can go to uh, they can just go to leasing to buy, or they can just email me John at leasing to buy dot com. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and most 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 wholesalers don't know what to do with a skinny lead. And uh, you'll pay them nice handsome referral fees. Yep. Yep. I'll pay them a thousand bucks. And. Um, where can people go to get more information on your, your Texas lease options? There's duties? a few sites. There's uh, My main website, of course, where I actually do the deals is leasingtobuy.com. The training website is leaseoptionclasses.com where we okay. have – you can buy uh, materials there and this and that. Uh, you can also go to uh, texasleaseoptions.com. Okay. That's where you'll see my uh, lease option, my Texas CD. Good. Yeah. Texasleaseoptions.com. And you sell that CD for five hundred bucks or something? Uh, on the website, it's eight hundred ninety-five dollars. But we've—if you go to leaseoptionclasses.com, you can actually get everything, everything I have for, except the audio CDs for four ninety-five. Wow! Yeah, so it's a heck of a deal. Yeah, leaseoptionclasses.com. Yep. And um, leasingtobuy.com, all letters. 
is your um, main right, website where you deal deals. And yeah. a lot of times you can partner with, you let people, if they go through your system, they can put their properties on your website as well, right? Yeah, we we charge, a, if they want to use our website, we charge a small fee for that just because there's administrative costs involved. Okay. Uh, but they can actually, uh, you'll see properties all across, I mean, I've got properties you know, from Pennsylvania to Colorado Springs to wherever, you yeah. know. Good, good. That people do, yeah. So, um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, Lease Option Classes is uh, the training website, Leasing to Buys, where you can actually see what I do and see how I structure it. So, and I'm I'm so glad Alex was able to spend all of uh, three minutes with us. <laughs> hey, come on. That was this better is, than that. This, is, this has been amazing. How did you two meet? That's you? what she said. Yeah. Oh, oh. okay. And I didn't say that. <laughs> So uh, you let the FCC you let the FCC know uh, that. Hey, nice. listen, guys. Uh, <laughs> before I forget, uh, Joe, I just got in yesterday from Amazon.com two books. Uh-huh. One of them you recommended. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot uh-huh. wait. To, I'm just flipping through it. It's called Rework. Oh, that's a great book. And I'm just flipping through it, and it looks like it's a really easy read, um, mainly because it's in English. That yeah. always helps. It's, <laughs> it's the chapters are short, the letters are big, right up your alley. Right up. <laughs> I say easy pictures, but I'm excited about reading this. I also bought the uh, the toilet paper entrepreneur. Ah, good book as well. Have you read that? Uh, no, read that I, I still recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it, but I recommend it. Because so, I've read I the would, guy. I read the books. The, the the other books the same guy has written. Uh, well, this he, one was no uh, toilet paper entre- entrepreneur is a different. Uh, yeah, it's written uh, by the same guy who wrote the pumpkin plan. Oh, I ordered that, but I haven't come in yet. The Pumpkin Plan is a really, really good book. I, I can't even. Wait. Michael Lakowitz is. Yeah, I can't say his name. Yeah. <laughs> or something. But I'm stoked about these. I'm going to try to finish uh, Mitch Stephen uh, his book first, which is a really good book. Have you read that yet? My Life in a Thousand Houses. No, I just did kind you? Of, uh, that, that, uh, no, I haven't read it yet. I was going to say you re- something. Do you interview him? Uh, I I think, or he interviewed me. One of the other. He's out in San Antonio. He didn't have a podcast, I don't think. But I, he interviewed me for a course or an online summit that he was doing or something. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did that too. Okay, yeah. You know what? You need to interview him. I should. Do you have his, do you have his contact info? Um, yeah, but let's we'll, – we'll I offline. might get that back for me offline, yeah. Just but, let me know, yeah. Cool. Hey, guys, one last, th- one last little uh, quote, one last little tweetable here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, here we go. Last one. Joe, uh, Alex, you missed the other one, so, you know. That's all right. Two on you. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's here's the last tweetable here, guy, and this is important for you guys starting off. And uh, Joe, you were talking about the guy you were training who made five thousand, but was frustrated at the amount of work. Uh-huh. Guys, here's the last tweetable. It is just before destiny that you will be tried, hmm. and that is so true. I think uh, it goes back to what I call the uh, the emperor moth story. Yeah. Do y'all know the emperor moth story? Uh, I, I bet you we will in a minute. Okay. <laughs> well, a, a guy is walking along and he finds this beautiful cocoon, this huge cocoon. So he takes it to his house, puts it in this jar, and then one day he sees this, you know, something trying to come out of the cocoon. But it's having all this problem. It cannot get out of the cocoon. So he takes a little X-Acto knife, a little razor blade, and he slices the cocoon to help this moth that's inside get out. Right. Well, when he slices the cocoon, the moth falls out at the bottom of the little jar and it just withers and withers and withers and later that day it just dies. Well, the the reason is the moth died because its wings were wet. 
the moth, when he slit open that cocoon, the moth didn't have to fight to get out of the cocoon. The reason the moth has to fight to get out of the cocoon in nature is to get the water, the liquid, off its wings. So when you get when it comes out of the cocoon, the wings are dry. When he took away that that uh, the effort yeah. and slit that cocoon open, the moth died because its wings were wet. Um, and I think that's a valid. I think it's a very powerful uh, analogy for what we do in business. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to fight. You got to get those wings dry. And it's going to happen. You know, if you try to f- slide, if you try to slice that cocoon, dude, you're probably going to it's going to flounder. Yeah. You know. So that's the emperor moth story. Well, that's a good one. That's a you good want one. more? I've got no. more. Two guys going to the <laughs> bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do need to end. The, well, I'll probably have to break this up into two episodes now. Well, I got more then. No, no. no that's, <laughs> that's good, John. <laughs> really. Uh, so this has been good. Thanks for being a good sport, Alex and John. Yeah, thanks and, for all three minutes, Alex. Yeah, thanks, no Alex. By the way, Alex, I will say out of all the two people I've worked with today for interviews, you're one of them. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, see, I, I, told, I warned you guys at the beginning of this podcast about about John. So, we've been warned. It's not my fault. No, John's a good friend. He's always makes me laugh. Uh, if, if you're ever in DFW, look him up. Uh, treat him to uh, to a restaurant and buy him a drink, and uh, he will make you laugh so hard you'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 really fun, but uh, thank you, John. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Joe, Alex, man, thank you so much. I'm really proud of this podcast and what y'all put together. Uh, I think it's uh, top notch. Uh, I love listening to all the interviews, and you guys have really put something special together. Well, thanks, man. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, guys. You can go back to whatever you're doing, Alex. All right. Okay. <laughs> he, was, he, was getting high, he was getting high score on his Wii or something. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. Uh, that's close. No, he was talking to some sellers. But all right. Hey, thanks, guys. See ya. Thank, thank you, Take guys. Care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.